How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and welcome to our preseason week two postgame show as the Bears just fell to the New York Giants 32-13. to But again, the score does not matter, and tonight's game was all about evaluating the depth as no starters suited up. That's right, this is not your parents' preseason game. I'm Hurst Oldwit, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, it's Friday night. I couldn't think of anything better to do than sit down and watch probably the worst preseason football game of my life. How about you? Oh, man, that was brutal to get through, Will, just from start to finish. A very boring game. But, yeah, I couldn't think of anything better to do on this Friday night than watch that Bears-Giants game. Whew, it was a doozy. Uh, I know you and I are hoping to expedite this postgame show. We usually say that. Don't usually adhere to it, so we'll see exactly how it goes. But let's get this show on the road and begin the first quarter of the show. And let's begin with my monster moment. And this week, my monster moment is going to have to be Clifton Duck's interception. I'm going to have to go with the duck pick here. The Giants were at the one, the wide receiver motion from right to left. You saw Duck follow him, and then as soon as the ball is snapped, the wide receiver worked back across the formation. Duck undercut the route, jumps up, and ran that thing back 62 yards. His long-term speed was a little slower than I thought it would be, Um, but regardless, this was the best play that I saw out of any Chicago Bear all night long. There were a couple other really strong candidates as well, and I'm sure we'll talk about those plays as this game rolls on, but that did lead to the Bears' first touchdown of the night by Kareth white and the points after the turnover is why that's going to be my monster moment let's hand it over to nick for his moriano minute yeah so i didn't know where i wanted to go with this but i just decided right now uh i think we need to talk about javon wims being one of those guys that possibly left off uh the active roster for next week because he's a solidified guy because what you saw in that first half of this this preseason game against the Giants was great stuff from Javon Wims coming back to the football, being a target for Chase Daniel, and if even Tyler Bray was targeting him, he was just somebody that was open, showed great hands. I think that's a guy, obviously you have your solidified wide receivers, but he's a great depth piece and someone who's just made a name for himself starting in training camp, just making a bunch of plays, and it continued today against the Giants being, you know, I guess a reliable target for Chase Daniel to throw to, but I wouldn't I would wouldn't be too surprised if Javon Wims was left off 
uh, the active roster for next week's game because they just want to make sure he gets healthy and goes into the regular season healthy for the start of the regular season. All right, I'm going to go ahead and just get the stat of the game real quick, and that's going to be the three turnovers on defense. This one's real simple. The Bears' defense, even though there were no starters today, they still had the knack of coming away with the football, whether it be picking up a fumble a couple of times, forcing one themselves, and, of course, that interception that I already talked about today. And on top of that, they left a few on the table. But regardless, the three turnovers by the defense is going to be my stat of the game. Unfortunately, I was hoping to use points off turnovers as another strong indicator, but they only were able to score points after one, and that was going to be the one I talked about during my monster moment. The other two, uh, they kind of squandered away those opportunities. Obviously, once we get to the regular season in a real football game, you want to see the offense capitalize on turnovers and put points up on the board. But my side of the game is going to be the three turnovers by the defense. And Nick, I want to go over to you to uh, the Audible, uh, in review, the challenge flag. We're still working out a name for this segment. And of course, if you're wondering, what the hell are you talking about? Well, it's a new segment we're working on. Pretty much we want to go back, look at the game, and kind of get rid of either a decision or a play in general. So if Nick, if you can take something back out of this game, what would that be? Can I just say the game in general? I think you knew where I was going with that because I saw you smiling before you ended your question there. But I think uh, going back to it, again, going back to that kicking situation, now we have this up. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Up and down last week. Uh, Eddie Pinheiro missed a 48-yarder. This week, Elliot Fry missed a 47-yarder. So they're both neck and neck. So maybe going back, reverse the order of the kickers. Who knows? Just maybe you could get one guy that can somehow you know, run away with this competition. But now it's still dead even to me with those two guys because now you have essentially the same kind of circumstances where one guy is missing a deep one in one game. The other guy does the same exact thing. So maybe just going back and seeing if you replace one of the other kickers what well, does that change anything? But that's the only thing. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of things we can go back and change, but that was just something I was thinking about in this game in particular. I have two, and I want to take a stab at the one this week. Uh, either uh, the Chase Daniel fumble safety, that was horrendous. <laughs> I'd take that one back because that did get rid of a possession. And you talk about the kickers, I thought something that I wish we had more of today were opportunities for those kickers but Mm -hmm. each quarterback struggled mightily and we weren't able to kind of get those of course uh, situations in which the kickers can actually go out there and get some field goal practice and on top of that maybe the penalty on Kareth White's kick return if we're going to go real nitpicky because that was a great return squandered again wow squandered's my new word apparently on the show too (laughs) Um, but of course that one was not ideal because that was a great touchdown great fast return by Kareth White but unfortunately uh, the penalty had that called back so those would be my two again if you have any names for this segment let us know in the comments as we would really appreciate it we're still working it out uh, so definitely let us know if you have anything but Nick I want to go over to you for our MVB of the game who's going to be that most valuable bear for you 
That's a good question. In this game, there were really two guys that really stood out. It was Javon Wims and Vodders on defense. And I think I have to give it to Vodders just because of the consistency that he showed on the defensive side of the football. Just one, it was a great play by him to get that strip force fumble. One, he got chipped by the tight end, and that kind of redirected him off the offensive tackle. He takes a great route to the quarterback, goes for the football, probably just watching Khalil Mack and the guys in front of him do the same exact things, is able to recover. It, but also he got pressure on what was it the Clifton Duck interception he was the guy that was in there so I thought Vodders just played his you know his butt off today showing showing this coaching staff that hey maybe he's due for maybe a practice squad spot I doubt like on the 53 but he just showed that he can make some plays given the limited opportunities that he has and that's exactly what you want to see in the preseason I thought Vodders did a really good job at that well I mean, obviously, a consensus here. I have Vodders down as well. He had the sack, the forced fumble, the fumble recovery. Uh, again, he had the hurry on the quarterback during that duck pick as well. So for me, I think James Vodders is an easy one. I'm excited when we get to the third quarter of our show to talk about his game a little bit more, what that means for him and this Bears you know, depth uh, out, outside linebacker just a little bit more. But that's going to do it for the first quarter of our show. And before we enter the second quarter and talk about the Bears offense, we do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing sites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? That's a great question. To put it as simply as possible, SeatGeek is a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, it rates each on a scale of 1 to 10, and finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. And of course, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. All of us here at the Chicago Audible have the SeatGeek app on our phone as by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets throughout the years. Earlier today, I was looking at the Bears-Chiefs game, the game we're going to. Still plenty of amazing deals left if you're looking at joining us later on here in the season. And here's the kicker. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. That promo code again is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All right, welcome back. You're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and this is our preseason week two postgame show. It's time to kick off our second quarter and dissect the Bears offense. And Nick, you and I decided let's not go position by position here. Let's kind of just talk about some of those bigger talking points that kind of came out of today's game. And I'm going to start with a doozy. Did Kareth White earn himself a roster spot tonight? And we can throw in his special teams ability as well as we're kind of breaking this down. Obviously, his 1.7 yards per carry wasn't ideal, but he has to like that touchdown run, the effort at the goal line, especially for a smaller running back. And then overall, again, with that kick return that was called back, coaches are going to keep that on tape and see what he did there because I don't think that penalty even led to that touchdown. So what's your take on Kareth White? Do you see him as that fourth running back yet? 
You know, that's that's going to be interesting, even if the Bears want to go that route and carry a fourth running back on this 53-man roster. I think he's doing the right things to possibly earn himself a spot, but I wouldn't say this game in general did that for him because, realistically, it's going to be Cordero Patterson who's going to be in that position at the kick return spot. He did do some good things, though, with that kick return, and had the penalty not happened, White would have taken back that, that kick back regardless but he is doing some things in the right direction to possibly earn himself a spot if anything maybe a practice squad guy for sure but i wouldn't say this game and even the last preseason game earned himself you know that to be a member of the 53 because obviously the bears maybe want to go seven wide receivers at that position so maybe it takes away from one of the the running backs but he is doing the right things when it comes down to that final cut day that maybe the Bears, Matt Nagy, Ryan Pacers thinking White could be a good addition to his 53-man roster. Yeah, you bring up a good point with Cordero Patterson. So in weird, a weird way, the Bears, if they did keep White, they would have, what, four and a half running backs on this roster? Would you consider that four and a half or five? Yeah, about four and a half, five. That would be correct. Yeah, that would be interesting if they actually did go that route. I do believe if they do keep that fourth guy, obviously it's going to be White over Ryan Nall. Nall, again, today, I mean, you saw a little bit from him. He was able to convert on a couple of third and shorts today. But overall, I mean, again, I think he's a preseason guy, and he's wanting to get to the regular season. Don't think that's going to translate as well. But the speed that White brings to the offense is very intriguing. But I want to move over to my second talking point tonight, Nick, and that's going to be uh, Chase Daniel, obviously he had some woes uh, for the most part of this game. I don't think his offensive line helped him out, and we'll talk about them here in just a few moments. But I'm seeing so many people here in the comments on the show, throughout Twitter, uh, throughout the game, saying that he's a terrible backup quarterback. I think they forget what he did last year. They're forgetting how little they're game planning, how little they're actually showing any real offense in the preseason. So what's your take about, A, Chase Daniel and you know everyone starting to get on this Chase hate train because I don't like it. I think he's a very serviceable backup. He provides a lot to this offense in terms of behind the scenes. And last year, I think he proved that he can be, like I said, serviceable, but that's all you need in the NFL out of your backup guy. Are you kind of aligned with me where you're seeing his struggles and not really, you know, trying to blow them out of proportion? Oh, absolutely. I think that's what the preseason just does to us. We just nitpick these little things. Chase Daniel, give him a Allen Robinson, you know, a uh, Anthony Miller, all these guys, the starting unit. He's probably going to do some better things than what he did in this preseason game and in last game. But he knows the offense. He's a good mentor from Mitch Trubisky. That's what he's there for. And he went one and one last year when he was asked to be the starter in place of an injured Mitch Trubisky. So this all this Chase Daniel hate. He's awful. I mean. Did you guys see how Tyler Bray played? I mean, that's where the awful really gets there. But now he's a third string guy. So there's no need to overblow his performance and just get this out of proportion because he's out there with backups. They're not really game playing against this defense. He was going up against the Giants ones at one point. So it's it's just not at Chase Daniels advantage from the very beginning. So I wouldn't overblow this entire situation. He's fine. He is the backup for a reason. But he, just like you said, needs to be serviceable if he's asked to you know, go in and play. And hopefully that's just not the case for the 2019 season. What are your thoughts on Tyler Bray? 
<laughs> well, Tyler Ray's a whole different story because even in practice, he looked just like he did in this preseason game, throwing picks, making the wrong decisions. He Marvin Hall has to just hate Tyler Bray, honestly. <laughs> right? He just he misses him short, misses him long on the deep ball. He should have Marvin Hall should have two two touchdowns in his preseason. It had it been any other quarterback. But yeah, Tyler Bray's a whole different story right now. All right. Now a big reason why I think Chase Daniel had a hard time today. It was his offensive line was not really helping him out any. He was sacked three times today. Uh, if you want to also talk about the fumble, I mean, that one counts as well as a big negative play. That one's on him, though. Uh, we mm-hmm. can admit that was the one play that was on Chase. That wasn't a bad snap. Should have been able to kind of hold that one in, corral it. That's all on Chase. But looking at the offensive line, are you getting concerned about the overall depth? I believe that the interior depth should be okay, should be fine. You're looking at Ted Larson playing center to start this game, which usually he's the backup guard, but he moved into center, so then he can play Alex Bars, and I forgot who even played left guard to start this game, but they were okay, but a lot of the pressure was coming off the edge. So I'm looking at Rashad Coward. I think Cornelius Lucas was the other left, was the left tackle tonight. Should have marked that one down. Uh, that was a mistake in my notes. But what's your take about the depth of this offensive line? Are you fearing the swing tackle position as much as I am, especially now with Rashad Coward exiting the game with that elbow injury. Yeah. So I think that is uh and look, Olin Krutz actually brought this up in la- earlier this week on Monday's right. podcast saying the most, one of the most vital positions for the bears. If someone goes down is Charles Leno jr. Who's going to replace him if he gets out of the game or if he gets injured. And now you have Rashad Coward who had a, I think it was a right arm injury. We don't know what the severity of that is, but there is not a lot of depth at the tackle positions for, for this Bears team. Like you said, the interior is fine, but you just got to hope that Charles Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey can stay healthy because uh, – and this is probably a problem for the 31 other teams. If their starting tackle goes down, you're not in a very good spot. So, yeah, the Bears, I think, once the final cut day comes down, they're going to look for some kind of veteran to bring in because right now that position – is very, I would just, I guess, iffy for the Bears right now. You want to hope Leno Jr. and Bobby Massey can just stay healthy like they have because if they don't, there is a problem behind, you know, the guys that they have there currently for that for that depth. People are interested, of course, in Alex Bars as that backup guard, that third guy, if you're going to go, well, fourth, if you're looking at Daniels, Long, Larson, and then Bars. Did you see anything out of him today? I thought out of all the guys up front, he looked decent. A few times he's getting pushed back, maybe a little bit more than I would like. But overall, he still seems like he's progressing in a, uh, you know, in a good way. Yeah, and especially because he had that injury early on in training camp. He wanted to just know if he was going to even be able to avail- available to play, and he has been. There was one play where I saw him pull. He did get pushed back, but then there was another one where he gets in front of his guy. He's able to get a good position. Running back follows that block. I think it was Ryan Nall on that specific play on one of the uh, third and short plays. But, yeah, you see the, the kind of the ups and downs as expected, but I think Bars is heading in the right direction. And, again, having Harry Heastad as a, you know, a former coach, that always going to help. But, yeah, I think he's – heading in a you know a good direction right now you mentioned a guy that's actually going in the opposite direction uh Cornelius Lucas who had what I think it was two holding penalties mm-hmm. in this game yeah so again that tackle position even if they do have people you're not very confident in whoever it is out there I thought Rashad Coward actually played a little bit better um it wasn't as definitely wasn't as bad against uh, the Carolina Panthers, like it was week one, but he did, like we said earlier, leave with a uh, right arm injury. So, yeah, it's still some question marks at those tackle positions for sure. 
Now, looking at tight end today, interesting. Last week, they were all over the field getting targeted heavily. This time by not one, not one single target for a tight end, which has me very complex, uh, complex, perplexed after this game because a no Adam Shaheen or Trey Burton as we're sitting starters, so it gives you another prime opportunity to look at Ian Bunting, to look at Dax Raymond. But again, that you didn't see them at all involved in the passing game. They were out there, of course, blocking. We can talk about that a little bit. But I thought that you know both guys. You didn't get an opportunity to see what they can do, and that kind of confuses me. What about you? Yeah, I thought the tight ends would definitely be more involved in this game, uh, but they just weren't. And Bradley Saul, I thought, had a poor performance from the times that he was asked to you know, block. He had a bad block. He had a false start. I know right after that false start, Matt Nagy took him off the field. Uh, so, again, I, you know, I've been saying that Bradley Saul is still, I think it's still up in the air whether he makes his 53-man roster. Is that tight end transition, it's not it's not working as maybe well as the, the Bears thought they would. He's still learning. Um, but, yeah, the Bears did not use their tight ends, and I thought that would have been, you know, something that would have worked against the Giants. I know on one of the plays, it was the – I think it was a deep ball to Marvin Hall – both tight ends ended up in the same exact spot in the flat. So that doesn't help you to get the ball when you're both – someone's running the wrong route. But, yeah, I thought overall you would see more of the tight ends being used. But that just didn't happen. It didn't. It makes me wonder if they're trying to you know, not show their hands a little bit too much in terms of you know their abilities. But, again, last week they were targeted pretty frequently. This week they turned it off. I think it's schematic. I think that was deliberate because, I mean, obviously, I think throughout a flow of a game, if you wanted to throw to a tight end or if you plan to, you can make it happen at least once, uh, especially some quick passes into the flat. So for me, very confused, but regardless, it's a game that doesn't matter. I was hoping to see a little bit more of Ian Bunting, Dax Raymond in terms of what they can provide as a receiver. But alas, we really didn't see that. You talked about Soul, uh, his poor blocking. Uh, he was beat bad in that sack. The defensive end did a really good job of grabbing his arm and kind of just pushing him back. Uh, then he also had a false start in the next drive when they're already backed up against the goal line to make it even more difficult, moving from like the four down to the two. So yeah, uh, very interesting indeed. Uh, I didn't see anything bad though out of uh, Ian Bunting or Dax Raymond in terms of when they're out there blocking uh, today. Did you? I don't think so. I didn't. Well, again, I didn't really see much of the tight ends at all. So uh, I guess that's, uh, you know, something, especially for Ian Bunting, there was a couple of just missed blocks that wasn't blatant in this game. Maybe it happened. I'll definitely have to go back and unfortunately rewatch this game. Uh, Yeah, but um, yeah, I didn't really see it. All right, let's talk about wide receiver real quick because they were the big focal point today. We got to see Riley Ridley, a lot of Javon Wims. Javon Wims, Five catches off his six targets for 64 yards, averaging about 13 yards per reception. And then Ridley, he did get his first kind of looks today. He had five targets in the first half, caught three of them for 20 yards, which is 6.3 yards per catch. I think that's a pretty good warm opening up for Riley Ridley. Um, So between those two guys, or not even between them, but do you want to share anything of your insight on them or the receivers in general? Because for me, Javon Wims is looking more and more like a viable receiving threat in this offense this season, someone that should get plenty of opportunity. Maybe not plenty. There are a lot of receivers, but someone who should see the football come his way and make this team. Oh, absolutely. I think Riley or, uh, Javon Wims has done a great job, those Georgia guys, uh, has done a great job of just being a better route runner, 
presenting himself being just open in general, coming back to the football. Uh, I think he's done a really good job in this offseason training camp and through the preseason so far of doing that. And Riley Ridley, I like how Matt Nagy just kind of got him the ball early on on one of the shorter routes just to kind of get him a feel for this game, get his first game action. I think that's what you really want to see. And Mitch Trubisky said, you know, he really loves throwing to Riley Ridley just because of, you know, the route running and just because of uh, how he, you know, attacks, attacks football, just wants it. That's what he was saying earlier in the week. So I thought that was a good idea for Matt Nagy to just kind of do that. A wide receiver now turned, well, former running back wide receiver, was playing running back, like really just, again, he's not going to make this team. But Taquan Mizell, two fumbles today. If we're talking Mm -hmm. about the wide receivers, yeah, he's uh, going to be no doubt cut at some point because you can't have that. He went back to his natural position, tried to do too much with the football, puts it on the ground, and if you have two fumbles in a game in a crowded wide receiver room, there's no way you're going to make it on this roster. No, there's not. I think Matt Nagy has been doing a lot of, especially in the fourth quarter, just using Mizell as much as possible because last year he had that affinity with him, putting him out there in some weird situations when you really are thinking another running back should be better suited. Maybe he's just trying to get it out of his system now. Like, let's just play Taekwon as much as I can because I know he's not making this team. So I don't know. Maybe he likes the guy and is hoping to get some film on him for some other teams to potentially pick him up. But it's confusing when you get down to the fourth quarter two weeks in a row and a guy who did transition, like you said, from running back out to receiver is closing out the game at running back. Well, he was trying to close out the game today. And by close out, I mean wind the clock because we're losing. But uh, those two fumbles, it, that doesn't work. You can't do that. So, yeah, I agree. I put uh, some gif on Twitter, like, boy, bye. Like, he's <laughs> out of here. Yeah, so definitely Taekwon Mizell, his time is running thin here in Chicago. Nick, any final thoughts about the offense? I think we hit on all the levels. But do you have anything else you want to mention? No, that's about it. I mean, that's all we want to, you know, 13 points in this game. That's all we really can talk about for this offense. Again, all, majority all backups. So, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that, that about sums it up. All right, that's a wrap on the offense. Uh, before we do jump into the third quarter of the show and take a look at the Chicago Bears defense, I want to let all the live viewers know that we do plan on taking a couple of questions in the fourth quarter. So no matter if you're here on YouTube, Periscope, uh, Twitter, or Facebook Live, make sure to ask your questions once we reach that fourth quarter of the show. That way they're right here on my list and I can kind of pick through them. So just something to kind of consider here for the next 10 to 15 minutes. But first, it's time to break down what the Bears defense was able to do today giving up 32 points to the Giants, who ended up playing their fourth-string quarterback at one point in this game. So, Nick, like I said, we're going to talk about the positions, but we'll talk about some bigger kind of topics throughout. We can talk about James Vodders on the top of the show, and I think he's a perfect player to kind of begin our discussion on. Is he starting to earn an edge? He did some decent things last week. Of course, this week he's kind of following through. Do you think that he's starting to catch the coach's attention and potentially say take a roster spot away from a Kylie Fitz you know what that might be the case because Kylie Fitz hasn't shown much of anything thus far in his NFL career obviously this is only year two but even in the preseason there was this play where you just see him getting pancaked by one of the you know offensive linemen he's just getting moved out of the way not setting the edge but James Vodder on the other hand is taking you know the most out of these opportunities and making the most of it and that's that's what it comes down to and look Kylie Fitz is no guarantee to you know be a guy that's gonna stay on this roster being a former sixth round draft pick you have to produce and show something in these preseason games it's boring as it was to watch tonight 
these are these opportunities that some of these guys have to make the most of. And Kylie Fitz hasn't done that thus far. And James Vodders so far has. I think James Vodders, he's someone that, you know, we talked about him a little bit in the Countdown to Camp episode. He has uh, some experience at the CFL level where he was very productive. He spent time on a couple of practice squads. I think the Packers, the Chargers were a couple of those. I believe this experience and, this, you know, the seasoning over the years is really starting to pay off for Vodders. And when you look at him compared to a guy like a Kylie Fitz, I think mean, it's a it's a night and day difference on how what those two bring to the table. And I think I tell me if I'm wrong, Nick. Just tell me if I'm wrong now. Is Vodders doing more in the last two games than we've seen Kylie Fitz ever do compared to last preseason and this one? Because I feel like yes. I I would have to agree with you there. I don't there's just nothing that kind of stands out about Kylie Fitz, unless it was maybe in that Ravens game that we went to what now. Yeah, last year. So uh, there really isn't anything that really stands out. And I, maybe I'm just kind of making that up to give Kylie Fitz the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, nothing stands out about Kylie Fitz so far. All right. Well, I think we know what we're envisioning out of James Vodders. But again, he does have a very important third and fourth preseason game. I think if he can mm-hmm. have another game like he did tonight in game three, then it's going to be a dogfight between Vodders and a guy like Fitz in that fourth preseason game to kind of fight for their life to make this roster. Right now, I'm leaning Vodders. Uh, but again, there are two games, but for some reason, uh, I don't have the confidence that Kylie Fitz can kind of turn it around and have the light bulb kind of turn on now because I, if we haven't seen it yet, again, this could be something that does take some time. And let's keep in mind that Fitz does have practice squad eligibility. So that might be a good way to kind of keep both around. Uh, but moving forward, let's jump to the secondary. Let's have some fun here. I want to make heads or tails out of John Franklin to Thursday because he had some nice plays, but he was also beaten a ton. I think this is where you see him learning a new position kind of coming, you know, coming out a little bit. What did you see from John Franklin to third? Are you uh, too high in the highs, too low in the lows, trying to find some middle ground? Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to find some middle ground. He made some good plays in the beginning of this game, just making good breaks on the ball, able to put himself in good positions. But then towards the end of the game, John Franklin's known for the speed, but you see his wide receivers getting behind him where they're being able to create separation. Or John Franklin's not able to push these receivers towards the sideline and use that to his advantage. And that's, again, because he's still learning the position. And that happened a couple of times where these wide receivers are able to get behind him. You know, he was having such a good training camp, had a really good first preseason game. And then I, reality kind of came back. These guys that are also fighting for positions on other teams are trying to make the most out of their, you know, their situation. And it, it played out to, you know, their advantage over John Franklin. So I think right now, maybe let's not overreact to it because he has done pretty well so far. But now preseason uh, game number three is going to be very important for John Franklin. And obviously number four as well, because, again, you want to see more consistency, see that he's getting better at the cornerback position as opposed to regressing. I think you and I agree, and most people would as well, that Isaiah Irving is going to make this team. He's been around in that you know fourth guy kind of for the last couple of seasons now. Uh, today, he had that sack, which is his big splash play. And there was another play early on in this game that I kind of took note of as a small one, um, but Irving did a good job at setting the edge, setting a block, making a tackle, which are things we didn't see out of Irving in the past when he was a little bit smaller and leaner, when he was a little bit younger. He was able to kind of get swallowed up, pushed around, but you can tell he has a little bit more of a foundation to him. I was able to kind of set that edge. Do you think he's someone 
that is kind of coming into his own here? Did you see that a little bit in the first quarter today? Yeah, and I actually have the same play in my notes. Uh, Isaiah Irving just setting the edge, and obviously when he gets that sack, uh, I th- obviously if you were to compare him to a Kylie Fitz, who usually when they're they're both going to be on the field at the same time, Isaiah Irving's clearly the better player. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Um, he's had more experience. He knows a little bit more. He has a little bit more versatility in his pass rusher moves and knows how to set the edge more effectively than a Kylie Fitz. But yeah, I have seen that and that he is going to be, you know, that fourth guy um, behind Aaron Lynch, Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd. But I think uh, you can feel, I don't want to say comfortable, but you feel a lot better with him as opposed to, you know, some of the other guys back there. Sure. Speaking of comfortable, let's get a little uncomfortable here. Iggy Nikwiatkowski. Do you have a do you have a sense on one or the other today? Because I think I saw good and bad from both, kind of like last week yet again. But neither of these guys, based off of what I'm seeing, I'm like 100 percent comfortable if they have to step in this season. Yeah, so you know what? For Nick Kwiatkowski, I'll say this: when he is coming downhill and just shooting a gap, he that's where he, his strengths are as a you know inside interior linebacker, where he's just coming in, busting through a hole and making tackles in the backfield. That's where he excels. It's just when you put him out in space and you ask him to cover, that's where you see the I guess the limitations from a Nick Kwiatkowski and you also kind of saw that from Joel EA Buniwe when he's asked to cover a deep seam route down the middle again maybe it's a little touchy on the pass interference call that he was um, called for but you want to see him maybe get his head in better position so he can look back at the ball but I, again you saw also times where he's coming downhill or is able to break on a nice route on the out route from the tight end so it's these up and downs from the backup interior linebackers i guess that's to be expected but you never know when those guys are going to be asked to fill in if you know Dan Trevath and Roquan Smith uh, have to miss some time or come out for a snap you just want to feel comfortable with them i think right now i would have to go with like Nick Krakowski as a guy as opposed to a Joel EA Buniwe all right Let's go back to the secondary here. We talked a little bit about John Franklin III. Let's talk about Duke Shelley because there are some things I really liked out of him today. He was being very aggressive on some routes, being able to break them up. He did have that missed tackle, though, on Benny Fowler that led to the touchdown. Uh, Also, he had an illegal block out of bounds and punt coverage. But then for most of the game when he was out there, I thought he looked pretty decent in coverage overall, so I'm not trying to harp on him too much for a couple of mistakes, a missed tackle. Um, But what did you see out of Duke Shelley today to kind of give you some potentially confidence in him? Not to take over Buster's screen spot. Obviously, screen starting, that's already a done decision by the Bears. But in terms of his long-term kind of projection. You know what? Honestly, from Duke, I saw, you know, Ups and downs. Uh, again, I won't knock him. So I won't knock him for how he played uh, the the touchdown that he gave up. I think he played it the right way. You have to go over the top when you're in trips formation to the left. That he played that right. It's just look, make the wrap up, 
make the tackle. That's that's a big thing there. But he's also, you know, covering Golden Tate out there, a veteran wide receiver, not an easy guard for, you know, any nickel corner. But then, like you said, there was the, the personal foul out of bounds. Also, it was Sheriff McManus who had a nice peanut punch there. Duke Shelley's right there. Pick up that football. That's a great opportunity. That's what all these Bears defenders have done when the football's on the ground or is an opportunity to create a turnover. Usually the Bears defenders have done that. Duke Shelley had a prime opportunity to do that. Just wasn't able to corral the football. Giants get it back. So it was a little bit of up and down. I thought, you know, in the beginning initially, he was good in the coverage. was tight by the wide receiver. But then you saw some of the flaws. And that's why Buster Screen is ultimately the start at the nickel position. But Duke Shelley will get better. And I like the upside that he has as a player. Nick, do you have anyone else that you want to kind of highlight from anything that you saw today on defense? Um, you know, not necessarily. We talked about Clifton Duck making that great diving interception. I thought DHC, DeAndre Houston Carson had a nice break on the ball with Golden Tate was a wide receiver. Um, you know, a guy that I, I guess I expected a little bit more now, two preseason games in. Well, he actually didn't even play in the first one. Kevin Tolliver coming back, he was dealing with the illness in that first game, but I thought he looked a little um What's the right word? I know on the very first, one of the very first plays, he slipped out of his route uh, when the wide receiver was coming down deep and slipped. But I want, I think I just want to see more from Kevin Tolliver. Uh, I think he could play a big part in this Bears defense moving forward. So I just want to see him uh, continue to progress as a as a cover corner. The only thing I want to mention, uh, something that actually never even happened, was uh, Kevin Pierre Lewis, the linebacker. He didn't get to play because he's been injured since last week, which it's just bad luck on him because he looked really good a week ago in his playing time. Yeah. And he was someone that I was looking forward to uh, potentially playing again this week, uh, but he's injured, unable to kind of come back. Hopefully he, uh, I don't know the severity of the injury. They've been kind of murky about it, but hopefully he can kind of get back for either the third or fourth preseason game. Still plenty of time to kind of make that mark because he was someone last week who provided a ton of energy to that defense. You know, someone that I, you know, one of those guys I'm kind of rooting for personally. Uh, so I want to see him hopefully get back into it. All right, Nick, before we transition into the fourth quarter of our show, any storylines on defense from today that you're kind of taking and moving forward with? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, John Franklin having a down day, how does he respond in the preseason game number three? That's going to be a huge one for him and potentially making this roster because I think at the, you know, just at the defensive back position as a whole, there's a lot of guys that you already know are pegged as starters or making this team. John Franklin, if he has a couple of good games, the last two, he could potentially earn himself a spot. So that's just somebody I'll be watching out for. You know what? Also, we didn't even mention it, but I thought when Jonathan Bullard played, he just got bullied out there. And this is a guy that you kind of asked for, you know, asked to play some significant minutes last season. He, I don't know if he's necessarily a lock on this defense to make the 53. So I think he's going to be playing for you know his future with the Bears in these next two preseason games because I, like I said, when he was in there, he's just getting pushed backwards. I know he got the fumble recovery; it just so happened he was in the right place mm-hmm. at the right time. But Bullard, I think, needs to keep showing and proving to his position coaches, to the Bears in general, that he is worth keeping on the 53. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree 100%, Nick. All right, let's go ahead. I think we're just going to call that a good discussion on the defense. Again, a very sloppy preseason game uh, for 
all teams, the entirety of the game, uh, ready to kind of move forward here. It is Friday night, Nick. Uh, so let's move on to the fourth and final quarter of the show. So this is a time where if you have any questions, throw them in the chat, wherever you're at, whatever platform. I get all the comments rolling in. So let us know. We'll enter a few here. But first, before we enter those questions, let's talk about some special teams, Nick. Obviously, you're looking at Eddie Pinero. He was two for two today. One barely kind of squeaked in. Elliot Fry, he was 0 from 1. He missed a 47-yard field goal, but he did get the point after attempt. So are we now dead even after last week and now this game? I think we are dead even because, again, Elliot Fry missed 47 this game against the Giants. Eddie Pinero missed a 48-yard field goal last week against the Panthers. The extra points, everyone's making their extra points. Well, I think it was only Elliot Fry that's gotten a chance to kick the extra points. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm wrong on that, but it's it seems like it's dead even once again at the kicking battle there and we all know that the bears tried earlier in the week to try to go get the the ravens kicker vikings outbid them for that i don't think the bears are settled they they're not um they haven't decided who they want to have this game i don't think really proved one guy is better than the other so it's still we're at the wait and i think it's going to be what's going to happen in your scenario will where you said it back in training camp where it's going to come down to the final game and then we'll see. Unfortunately, I'd, I'd rather it just be solved, but that's not the case. Well, I hope that would have happened if both were playing lights out and we had to choose True. between one or the other, not both missing kicks here in preseason. So, yeah, I think we're at a dead heat here. I think between last week and now this week, again, both of the misses. Fries this week was from 47. Pinero last week was, what, 48? Yep, Pinero's 48. So it's weird how, you know, the scale has been balanced here. So we're halfway through. We're right back where we started. We have two weeks to figure out the kicking situation. Hell, they may still bring in another kicker off of the street here to, you know, like an old veteran. I think, what, Matt Bryant's still available, right? Yeah, he's still available. So you never know. We'll keep you posted as much as possible here. It's a kicking situation. Uh, moving on over to the rest of the game. Actually, real quick. Another thing that I saw a lot of today, do you believe that it could be O'Donnell? We talked about it before in the past. We've kind of been quiet about it, um, but now people are bringing it up again, and I think it's still valid that he could be the common denominator after all this. You know what? I I don't even know uh, what to say to speculate on that. He had some pretty good punts today. I don't think you're going to cut. If you cut your putter, then you don't even know who's going to be your kicker. That's just going to create even more confusion. I I think he's, I want to say he's fine. Um, But again, who knows? Who knows with this kicking situation? Yeah, exactly. We don't know. And I think if it was O'Donnell, how well they've been preparing for this kicking change and all the film they take on it, they take a tablet and they like really zoom up in on like the kick itself. I think if they knew it was O'Donnell, they would have made a change. That's my guess. I think that the bears are smart enough that they would have figured that out by now. Uh, but moving on down the line, obviously Marvin Hall as a punt returner is a no go. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. <laughs> He's running the wrong way at some point. And we've seen, we see punt returners do that like a three cone, but it ended up working out for him. But that time didn't again. That punt coverage and punt return units not the best. You're just kind of throwing out guys out there, penalties after penalties after penalties. So it's not a really great unit to just watch overall because there's just so many penalties that are happening. Well, when Marvin Hall's the longest return of the night's negative four yards. <laughs> yeah. 
That's where you know good. you have problems. It was negative 11, <laughs> negative 4, and he kind of lost the ball in that one as well. So it was it was rough all the way around. And you mentioned it too. The coverage units are continuing to be, well, pretty damn bad. I, there's no other way to sugarcoat it there. And not only are they not covering and tackling well, but they're also having a plethora of penalties being called on them too. I do agree with you that it's just because you're throwing in a lot of backups. I don't really expect these units to be 100% sound, but a lot of these guys are players who are trying to prove their special team worth to make this roster, so I'm still slightly concerned if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. All right. Well, Nick, are you ready to answer a few questions here? Absolutely. Let's let's do this. All right. Let's see what I can find here. I think I found one here from, why do they make it so hard? PVPMYTRI hard in real life? I don't know what this is, but I appreciate the question. I have no idea. Uh, He wants to know, how do we feel about not being able to get a feasible amount of kicks? It seems like we're having trouble getting it down the field. We talked about this on the top of the show. I'm disgruntled. I wish there was more opportunities, and I believe that, Nick, you would agree too. Like We need to figure out this kicking situation, and in an ideal world, we would have each kicker have two to three field goal opportunities per game and just you know, don't worry about the touchdown. Just give them, these guys, the opportunities in some game situations. Yeah, that would be, you know, the best option just to give these guys more opportunities. But these offenses, um, especially with these backups, are unable to move the football or even sustain drives. And that's really hindering both Elliott Fry and Eddie Pinheiro opportunities to kick these field goals. So you, that's why you'd want to see some of these offenses actually move the ball and just kind of stop. But give these guys opportunities to kick the field goals. I wish they had more opportunities just so we could see what these kickers really have. All right, the next one comes from scrolling, and I just had it and I lost it because I was looking for another one, and then you cut off a little bit quicker. This one comes from Lance. True or false, the Bears can win the North even with the current kicking situation. I think they can. Yeah, they could still win the North with the current kicking situation. You expect the offense to take that next step. The defense regression's not a thing. If they those, you know, if you have that happen for the Bears, hopefully you don't have to put your kicker in those type of situations where they are being asked to win you the NFC North. I think the Bears are by far the better team roster wise, and then you have the 2018 Coach of the Year. They have a great roster. This is just the one kind of Achilles heel, but they can definitely do it without him. You just rather have it. I think if you can win it with Cody Parkey, you can win it with whoever ends <laughs> up being the kicker this year. Next question comes from Cliff. He wants to know, Nick and Will, what do you guys honestly think about the Bears offense so far? Good question. Uh, for me, I'll start. I'm a little concerned about the overall offensive line depth, um, but in terms of the offense and what it's going to look like this year, we haven't seen it. Uh, we saw this last preseason as well where uh, the, even when they played the starters, they kind of stunk it up. And then once week one came, it was like a light bulb switch. You're game planning. You're seeing Matt Nagy's creativity come to light. Uh, so for me, in terms of what I've seen out of the preseason and this offense, honestly, I'm not taking any stock into anything I've seen so far besides Javon Wims being a really strong receiving threat. Someone who's taken so many steps forward in the course of a year. And he was the leading receiver last preseason. He's on pace to do it again, and he's someone I'm very excited about coming out to the regular year, but that's about what I have. What about you, Nick? What's your take on the Bears' offense based off of what you've seen through two fake football games? 
Oh, if we're just ba- if we're just basing it off of two fake football games, it looks awful. I mean, let's be completely honest. Um, you know, the offensive line's not blocking. The quarterbacks not able to get the ball to the receivers as much as you'd like, and not able to get uh, sustained drives. But again, this is this is preseason. I don't put too much into it. You like to see you know certain individuals shine, like we saw David Montgomery in Week One. You see Javon Wims in this game, and Kareth White do some pretty good things, but. Uh, yeah, I don't put too much stock into how an offense is doing based off preseason and stuff like that. They're still learning things, putting new guys in you know different series of plays and just running not well, not really game planning for a defense. So that's what I have for that. I mean, come week one against the Packers, we'll see what this Bears offense can really do. Absolutely. All right, Nick. One last question. It's going to come from let's go. Let's go from Johnny. I haven't heard from Johnny in a while, Johnny. Good to hear from you again. Nick, what do you think about Riley Ridley? We talked about him a little bit, but I'm curious. Do you think he's a guy who's going to make this roster? Do you think they can stash him on that practice squad? He was a fourth-round talent. He's just now getting healthy. Obviously, last week we were surprised he didn't get any targets. This week he got a handful, and he was able to bring in a few for you know some decent gains. I think the one that he had over the middle of the field was pretty impressive as well. There was like three guys around him. He was able to hold on to that ball. Um, but in terms of Riley Ridley... This season, what do you think? You know, that's a good question because there's so many playmakers. I think he definitely makes a 53-man roster. I don't know if they can stash him on the practice squad being a fourth-round draft pick. And the upside that he has being someone that you you could play as a Z, you can put him in the slot. Uh, Just a bunch of different ways Matt Nagy can utilize Riley Ridley. And you already heard the comments earlier this week from Mitch Trubisky how he feels about him. But I... You know what? Maybe a little less than what Anthony Miller did last season is kind of where I have him pegged just because there's just so many weapons on this offense right now. And you have David Montgomery. You know the Bears are going to want to run the football maybe a little bit more, uh, at least a little bit more effectively this season than they did last season. But Riley really is a guy that I think Matt Nagy's just going to, you know, have some a couple plays for stashed away in his playbook to give him those opportunities. A guy that can go get the 50 50 ball like an Allen Robinson. So you can utilize him like that. But he's going to be a good wide receiver he's now becoming healthy and i think matt neg is definitely going to use him to the best of his abilities all right one more and i'll take care of this one for you nick it comes from jb he thought he was late but i'm going to sneak him in here he wants to know why myzel's still on the team real easy <laughs> camp body exhausting all options with him he won't be here for long and secondly he asked about kareth white or ryan all i'm going to go white here pretty easy for me uh, so that's going to be my answers there. Jay, appreciate the question. But, Nick, let's kind of wrap up the show. Two-minute warning time. And, again, this is where we kind of wrap up our thoughts on this game and look ahead to next week, Indianapolis Colts. What do you got? Yeah, thank God this game was over. I mean, this, this one was t- tough to get through. I was just kind of uh, just watching and saying, man, I don't remember any of the other preseason games being quite as bad as this one, but it's over with. We'll see what happens in, you know, the third preseason game. This is usually the game where coaches will maybe put out the stars, but with Matt Nagy, it was last year against the Kansas City Chiefs. He decided he elected not to do that. You know, it could be the same again uh, this, you know, this preseason, but let's see if Matt Nagy decides to put out some of his starters, maybe get Mitch Trubisky a throw in. I know he has three great hand, fantastic handoffs, but I, you know, I I highly doubt that he's even going to go that route. Um, But again, that creates more opportunities for some of these roster bubble guys. And that's, that's what we'll be watching most likely for in preseason week three. Hopefully it's better than tonight's game because this was brutal to watch. 
Yes, it was. It's uh, it's interesting, right? Last week we had a game on Thursday, now Friday, next week Saturday. It's really hard to get into any kind of groove or rhythm. And then the games with the kind of flow that they've been having as well, especially tonight, uh, definitely hard to kind of even feel like it's a football game. It was just so many times, and again, I'm watching in uh, the south of Indianapolis, so I have my ways. That's all I'm going to say here on the podcast, but it's tough. It really is. But for my two-minute warning, I mean, we talked about some guys. Kareth White flashing, James Vauders flashing. I would love to see those two guys in particular have very strong games for the rest of the preseason. Uh, James Vauders especially, he's fighting for a roster spot. I believe he's showing enough to potentially uproot a Kylie Fitz. And if he can kind of keep up the same pace, again, he doesn't need a sack fumble. But if he can go in there and continue to make tackles, get quarterback hurries, get hits, and if maybe another sack or two this preseason, then he's a guy who I think is making a very strong case uh, to make this team kind of like a Nick Williams did a year ago. Uh, but again, we talked about all the guys throughout the show uh, who we're paying attention to. I'm sure Nick will have another post later on next week and more people that he's paying attention to after he has more time to reflect. But Nick, I think I just want to kind of end this podcast and go to sleep and call it a Friday night. I'm going to see what I can still do with this Friday night. It's what, Sounds 1030? Like yeah. Well, yeah. 1130 here. <laughs> true. Very true. There's a difference between being married with a wife and a kid and being, well, you're not a bachelor, but close enough. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible. On behalf of my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, this is Will DeWitt signing off. I want to thank each and every one of you who tuned into the show, either via the podcast or here on the live stream as well. We'll be back soon. But until next time, bear down, Chicago.